Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bucklew. Hello, friends. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for joining us on this new episode. I would like to just share some quick reminders. If you guys would like to stay in touch with us, I would love for you to go and follow us on social media. You can do that by going to the link here on the description. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, basically everywhere. <laughs> so, and, it, and just make sure also to subscribe from wherever you're listening to or if you're watching on YouTube. And then you will be notified whenever we share a new episode. And also by following us on, so, on social media, you will be notified or you will be able to find out who is going to be the next guest on the podcast. We normally share, you know, whatever we do the recordings, we share a picture from the interview and we share some behind the scenes of the recordings and things like that. So just some fun things. And also we share some encouraging quotes and, and so on. So yeah, so that will be a great way for you to just be following us. Yeah. So again, thank you friends for joining us. It is always a joy to be here with you guys. And as we do every other Tuesday at 9 a.m., uh, we have a new guest today. He is a dear brother that I met through our Bible study foundation. Yep. And now we're working together, too. <laughs> we are. We are. And that's a joy, too. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. you heard his voice, so please help me welcome my dear brother, Yadid. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to the uh, podcast. It is um, an honor for me, um, Adelaide, to be able to share, which is really God's testimony. Mm -hmm. um, yes, he uses his people, broken people. Um, but it is an honor to be here. So thank you for the invitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my joy. Thank you. And he said my name correctly too, Arlenis. <laughs> I guess we will know I can, why. I can roll the R. <laughs> yeah, he's, he can. Yeah, you, you speak Spanish. So yeah, see, see, I'll be like, Spanish. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not speaking in tongues in this podcast. <laughs> on this podcast in case nobody speaks Spanish. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's a joy to have you here, brother, and Thank you. really excited for everyone to get to know you. Thank you. And you know, well, normally I like to have my guests just sharing a little bit about their background. You know, well, I say that a little bit, but honestly, I mean like <clears throat> share as much details as you like of your upbringing. You know, your family. Uh, where sure. were you born? Like, where were you raised? And were you raised in a believing home? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, sure, we can start from, we'll start from the beginning. So um, I was born in the um, the northern part of Mexico, which is a city called Mexicali. Uh, we moved here in the, to the U.S. so I can um, do high school. Unbelieving mom, unbelieving family. We were Catholic. Would you want me to go from my testimony from there to salvation or just like I what? want to know about you growing up. Like, okay. I want to know what All was right. that like, like right. with your family, this is, this is, siblings. This is BC or... days. Is that what you want? That's yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is before. Oh, before, yeah. before coming. This to is the, the sinner you. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So we were born in that city. My um, my mom divorced my dad when I was like about four years old or so. Mm -hmm. He was a violent man, mm -hmm. um, and I remember it was like about four with my sister. And uh, the way we left where we, where we were living with my dad was pretty much by um, going underneath, underneath, you know, kind of like his feet. Like he was like drunk in a sofa like this, such as this one. <laughs> yeah. His feet were actually like going like down like that. And the door was like right there. So we are trying to, um, in, in a way, we were kind of like escaping. We went mm -hmm. underneath, underneath his legs. 
opened the door and then we escaped. This is like about, I was about four years old. Mm. And then after that, um, my mother, um, she raised my sister and I with my uh, grandparents, uh, my grandmother and my um, and my grandfather. So we were in Mexicali. We went to uh, public education. My family had some uh, some pharmacies there. Uh, mm-hmm. So my grandfather was a pharmacist, and we would be helping my um, my mom and uh, and my grandparents just working there in that um, in that pharmacy. So we would sweep and stuff like that, and, and see how they would treat patients there whenever they came. Whenever they came, so uh, we grew up there. And then um, when we uh, when it was about time to be uh, high school, um, we moved here to the U.S. Um, this is in two thousand and I think this was nineteen ninety five around that time ninety ninety six. That you moved to the United that States. That we moved here to the United States. That is okay. correct. Um, okay. And um, yeah, so we moved here in, in that year two thousand and I mean, I mean ninety five ninety six. And then not having the Lord, um, we so we moved to a place called Coachella Valley, which is two hours east from Los Angeles. Is where uh, I don't know if you heard of Coachella Fest. Yes. Okay, so it's it's, it's right there. Uh, <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, I went to Coachella Valley <laughs> High School. Uh, so okay. we moved to this country, and um, I remember I just wanted to um, wanted to do everything I could to succeed here. And my family brought us here to live the American dream. As soon as I got here, I you know I trained, I, I did practice for the basketball team. I was accepted to be part of their team. Uh, I was so joyful. Um, because of that, happy about that, but I did not have the right uh, influences. My friends were, these were friends in high school that I had that were taggers. Um, they would like to go on the streets at night and do the wrong thing with the spray cans and all of that. And that's what we used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, I remember, my, so it was around that time when my mother, so she was already here with us. We were living with my grandmother mm-hmm. in Coachella and my mother was working so hard as a housekeeper. And um, so I graduated from high school and started going to College of the Desert, which is in Palm Desert. Mm -hmm. And it was there that I realized that um, I wanted to be something so I could help out my mom. And so I wanted to become an astronaut. I started focusing myself because I said, you know what? I I don't like English. I don't like history. (laughs) Uh, I think math will uh, keep me awake at night. (laughs) And so that's when I started pursuing um, the sciences and math and physics and chemistry and all of that. But it was, this is 2000 and this is around 2000. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the pursuit of um, the American dream. Mm -hmm. And so in 2003, I was accepted at UC San Diego in La Jolla. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when I um, applied there to become uh, a chemical engineer Okay. And I went there, studied, graduated as a um, as an engineer from UCSD in 2008. Mm-hmm. And it was after graduation that I went back to Coachella Valley and started working for the city of Palm Desert, which is when I guess my story, my story of redemption, salvation um, mm-hmm. came. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you want me to start there or, but that's just. So you and your mom. And my sister. And your sister are living in. Palm, palm, palm Desert. Palm, palm Desert. I was going to yeah. say Palmdale. For yeah, Palmdale. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> north, it's another city, which is north yeah. from here. <laughs> for some reason, I just kept that thinking in my brain. It's mind. like, oh, it's Palmdale. <laughs> yeah. palm, it's near Palm yeah. Springs. Palm Desert okay. near Palm Springs. So in, in, what are your and your sister and your mom doing? You know, like, how is life for you guys there? Like, 
yeah what are you guys doing for I don't yeah know, for yeah. Living, I guess. yeah so my mother was um started working so hard as a housekeeper and uh all of a sudden the lord and i could say the lord i mean even as an unbelieving family mm-hmm. she um started working so hard that she started um uh, she started her own company her own housekeeping company mm-hmm. uh beautiful cleaning services so if you're in palm <laughs> desert <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> um, so she still does that. Oh, um, wow. My sister, she was, you know, working. She was going to COD, College of the Desert. And then she was working, I think it was for Macy's, Macy's at the time. But we really didn't have that much of a direction. For me, it was more of a, I want to continue to pursue the American dream now that I'm here. Mm. And for me, it's like, I will um, focus and I will apply myself. And that's when I got accepted to UCSD in 2003. Um, so I could start. I did not know how I was going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. So I went to UCSD. La Jolla is very expensive. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Um, I remember I did everything I could to save money and did everything. I c- so whenever we had like summer school or summertime, I would come back to Palm Desert to help my mother clean houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I would do. We would do whatever we could so we yeah. could pay for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, was able to graduate in 2008 with an engineering degree, mm-hmm. bachelor's degree from there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I actually did that in New York. I never shared that here on the podcast. But yeah, like my aunt, she also studied like cleaning houses in mm-hmm. New York when when she moved to the United States mm-hmm. back in those days when she was getting paid like five dollars an hour <laughs> yeah. cleaning houses. And yeah, now yeah. she has her own company. Yeah. Her daughter has her own company too, doing that. And okay. Yeah. So yeah. and I did it with her for. When I was in high school, yeah, <laughs> in high school, so I was, I was yeah. just going, you know, like on the weekends. Nothing with her wrong and, with that, right? And she was like, "You want money? Okay, yeah, so you get to right, work." Right. It's, it's, it's hard working. It is. Uh, it it's is a hard, hard work, work. Yeah. and um, I'm, you know, very thankful for that because, you know, as so I think of what I did um, in during my bachelor's uh, degree, as I was pursuing the environmental chemical engineering degree, I also think of, uh, I think I was mentioning that. Previously, when I came here, uh, when we were having uh, dinner mm-hmm. or lunch, mm-hmm. um, how when I was in high school, I was working um, on the fields mm-hmm. uh, and I was uh, working doing the planting of the, the vineyard stick. Right? So like I said, you had all these holes in the ground. You would have to be there at five in the morning. Yeah. You're working in the fields and you're on your knees and you see, you know, a bunch of holes in the ground <laughs> and you just got to needed to grab yeah. that stick and then plant it, put it there and. And that was hard work during my high school years, mm-hmm. but that taught me a lot about um, about work, about ethics of working, and just you know, you know, realizing that one just needs to work hard, you know. And um, but being in an environment like that was very humbling, yeah. and I learned a lot from that. And I'm very thankful that I went through that as a high school student, um, even just having those jobs on the you know those side jobs working on the yeah. field. You know, yeah. it humbles you. You learn lessons about life mm-hmm. and how hard uh, people work in, when, in the fields. Yeah, yeah. So thank you yeah. for those lessons as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's happening then <clears throat> when you, um, you know, get into col- uh, college? Yeah. Like what's happening in your life? What are you doing? Okay. And, yeah. yeah. Freshman and sophomore year, I wanted to be uh, an astronaut. I was pursuing that. And then um, something was happening early in where I... Um, I started feeling a void in my heart um, Mm -hmm. that engineering wasn't really, it wasn't that fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was around my sophomore to junior year where um, there was just, again, something, an emptiness in my heart where I knew I was doing the right thing, Mm 
but I was missing something big. Mm. So um, I started learning about the environment. I started learning about Mother Earth, right? <laughs> and how we needed to defend the Earth, protect the Earth. You know, we needed to, uh, you know, start, uh, you know, blocking, stopping, um, you know, um, carbon uh, dioxide and, and all these um, greenhouse gas emissions because we would destroy the Earth. <laughs> so for me, that was like a greater, um, a greater pursuit of, um, of my life. It's like nothing is filling my heart, but if I fight for the environment, if I pursue, um, go from chemical engineering to environmental engineering so that I could, you know, protect the earth. Again, I needed um, something bigger than just engineering. Uh, I needed something that would give me a purpose in life. That not even not even the American dream was doing. Mm -hmm. Sure, the American dream was allowing me to pursue education here, but the American dream and the pursuit of I guess you can say the pursuit of happiness wasn't really filling my heart with something that I was yeah. missing. So I was I began to focus in focus in environmental engineering now. And um, I started um, saying, you know what, uh, we need to change things. And in order to change things in the United States, you need to work for the government. Uh, you need to start focusing with policy. And so I decided to, to become an environmental engineer. But more than that, also start leading. I started leading uh, marches in um, downtown L.A. Mm. And with those people who wanted to, you know, social justice, because you wanted to fight for the earth. You wanted to fight for justice here in the United States. I mean, I thought because I went to a public education and, and here in the United States, upper division, I was, um, for some reason, I started growing. Something in my heart was growing against this government, mm -hmm. against even this country. A country where I wanted to come to live and prosper. All of a sudden, I had this kind of like hatred in my heart mm -hmm. that I was here. And so I wanted to destroy it. Mm. How? By um, doing leading protests um, and also by pursuing higher education. Mm -hmm. So for me it was, well, if I can bring this country down, you know, I'm a social, I call myself a social, because I was calling myself at the time a social justice warrior. <laughs> but I'm like, if I'm really a social justice warrior, then I need an important degree. Mm. And then I need an environmental engineering degree. <laughs> You know, it wasn't just like, yeah, I'm a social justice warrior. And yeah, you know, yeah. It was like, do you have an education? You know, like, do you know how, to, you know, how things work? I have a bunch of degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so, so graduated in 2008. You know, again, we, after doing some, leading some marches in downtown, um, uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, in 2008, I got a job working for the energy department at the city of Palm Desert, which is near Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. And um, we would uh, go to UC Berkeley. We would take flights to Berkeley uh, to give presentations on energy and environment and whatnot. So it was around that time when I was applying for uh, my master's at UC Berkeley for social justice and the environment. This is 2008. I began to apply there because in one of our, um, one of our uh, flights to Berkeley, I met a professor named Dan Kamen. He was the director of the uh, UC Berkeley's Energy Lab. Mm -hmm. I met him there. And he had been on a PBS interview. On, you know, he was interviewed to give a you know, presentation on energy and whatnot. So imagine. So he's there in front of me. 
I, I met him. I'm like, Dan, Dan, you know, Mr. Kamen, Dr. Kamen, you know, would love to apply to UC Berkeley. Um, he's like, I need to use my business card. Make sure you put this in your application and whatnot. So I, I met him and I was like, I, I'm ready to apply here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be accepted here. So yeah. this is 2008. But, uh, how, you know, as I was working at the city of Palm Desert and pursuing applying for at UC Berkeley for my social justice and environment master's degree, Mm-hmm. It was around that time when I was, um, as I was walking one day to work, um, I started feeling all of a sudden, no longer empty, but I was started feeling now um, a sense of guilt. I started feeling a sense of, a sense of guilt for the things that I had done while at UCSD. Mm-hmm. Things that I were killing me all of a sudden in my mind. Like nobody, nobody was reminding me of these things, right? It's just me, myself, my mind, right? I'm walking to work and all of a sudden, Arlenis, I was being in a way kind of like tormented mm-hmm. as I'm walking to work mm-hmm. of the things that I had done. I'm, I'm working and, and I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I'm not at peace. Uh, I'm working for the city of Palm Desert. I'm not at peace. This is a, it was a, a great job internship that I was doing at the time. And then I'm like, you know what? Um, something's wrong. So as I was working, there was um, one of the offices in the city had the door open and there was music that I heard. And it was a different kind of music uh, because it was uh, music that was honoring the Lord. It was music about God. It was Christian music. So when I heard that as I was walking, passing by this office, the door was kind of like open. So I decided just to knock and go in there. And I knocked and I said, hey, may I come in? And I went in there and I, there was a gentleman in front of me and his office is, uh, and I told the gentleman, I'm like, uh, where do you worship? Just like that. <laughs> where do you worship? Where do you worship? Yeah. Where do you worship? Just because, just so you know, I mean, I never had anything against, you know, religion. I never had anything against people that would tell me about God. I mean, even if you, if you were like a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, <laughs> like I would listen to you. Uh-huh. Like I was a, you know, I was that kind of guy where I was like, okay, let's, you know, sit down, tell me, okay, I give yeah. you your time, now you can go, you know? So I told him, it's like, hey, where do you go to church? Where do you worship? And uh, this gentleman, uh, Jose Luis Espinoza, uh, I'm not sure if he still works for the city of Palm Desert. Um, he invited me to a um, non-denominational biblical church in the city of Indio. I said, you know what, I'm going to go. So I jumped um, on a Sunday on my road bike, you know, because I didn't want to, you know, drive a car, stuff like that. You know, yeah. I wanted, wanted to protect the environment. <laughs> Again, you know, I had my degree. I, I had an education on this. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a man of my word. So um, I got there. Um, and I remember um, just, I guess you can call parking my bike outside the, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. church. Uh, going inside the church and sitting in the very back of the pews. And I don't know what happened, but it was in August of 2009 when I sat at the very back of the pews. I heard the message. The, the pastor there never said, you know, raise your hand if you want to receive Christ or if you want your sins forgiven or come to the pulpit, come to the front so you can yeah. have your sins. Nothing like that. It was just him teaching God's word, not saying anything. He was just plain out teaching when all of a sudden um, God's word became real to me like never before I, I cannot tell you what day that was but that was the summer of 2009 august and so that's when um and one sunday my eyes were opened i believed 
um, I was reading from the book of Genesis and I'm mm -hmm. like, whoa, this is the God who created the heavens and the earth. Right. And he made me in his image. There's my identity right there. And then I look at the last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation, which talks about that the Lord coming, coming back again. Right. Yeah. To purify the earth. Kind of like destroy it, but not really. Yeah. But he would take care of the environment, the climate, all of these things. And here I am with my social justice worldview um, that, like I said, you had this hatred. For this country, for this nation, for the flag of the United States, I begin to hate it. I realized reading from the, you know, from the book of Revelation that it is the God who created is the same God who's going to come back to renew this earth. Mm -hmm. And I do nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. So now um, that I was under the uh, philosophical worldview of, you can say it was a Marxist worldview where I even wanted to um, destroy this country, maybe burning this country. Yeah. Um, you know how we saw on, on different um, BLM type of marches, maybe like I think it was the summer 2020, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, started, I think. Or 2021, started, yeah. we saw those marches well, on started, TV. Yeah, 2020, you know, all the way All of too. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it wasn't because of God's grace, I probably would have been one of those marching, mm -hmm. but with more authority, mm -hmm. probably because of where I, the things that I was pursuing. Yeah. Uh, but by the grace of God, the Lord saved me. And that's when it started to grow uh, my desire for him um, in 2009 summer. Yeah. So um, I'm going to stop right here, but I can tell you um, a little more after that um, of where I'm heading now. But I'll wait for that. Yeah. No, I mean, you kind of gave us a little background of like the sinner, <laughs> you know, the unrepentant sinner mm -hmm. of what your life was before Christ. Clearly, there was hatred and you were pursuing of saving this world yeah, <laughs> from right, when, right. honestly, like you said, nothing that we do, you know, I think Pastor John was the one who said one time, like, um, just because like, um, you don't use hairspray, you're not going to save like from global warming or something like that. So keep using your hairspray or something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I think I remember him yeah, saying yeah, that because yeah. it's true, you know, like we're in this pursuit or like we yeah. can, uh, add any, yeah more days to our life either the lord has right. number our day you know our days Psalm on this earth yeah so it's like yes we are to be careful in the way that we you know treat yeah. our our bodies and things like that so like yeah be responsible right mm -hmm. and obviously with god's creation as well doesn't mean like go and burn the entire world down right. now right. right but um but nothing can change like we know where this is heading towards we too. do and we, we know what's going to happen. You know, we know who wins. Yeah, that's right. And, we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember, I, I think that even there was one time, Arlen, is when, um, and now as I, as a Christian, I can look back and, and see how uh, Yadid being in the pursuit of social justice and the environment, being so zealous for that and about that, which was really became my purpose in life because mm -hmm. I had none. It was also, uh, there was something... Uh, very spiritual about that, just so you know, mm. very spiritual where I'll say this because uh, there was one time when we were celebrating, uh, I think it was Earth's Day, something like that. I think it's April. April 21st. 21st. Or 21st. <laughs> I know because we had to share um, something yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Before Our, like when my previous. Job so, you know, you know, what we did was uh, one time at, at, at my house, we. We planned it in a way where we will not turn on any lights. We will disconnect everything and we would turn on some candles. 
So we were in the living room and yeah, we were reading books and books and whatnot, but it was something spiritual there that, um, that I don't know. I mean, not knowing the Lord either on that time, but we knew there was something more than, more than just reading a physics book or chemistry book, you know, it's like lights are off. We have some candles here and we're very quiet. You know, we knew there was just something spiritual and it's, it wasn't something of God. You know, it wasn't yeah. something of the God of the Bible. Yeah. But we knew we were, I knew, at least I knew that it, deep in my heart that what we were doing, um, there was something more than just the physical things that we were seeing. Hmm. Like I knew that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, and now how did you see your life changing after um, cause it, it seems like you kept going to this church that this, um, mm. that this man to, took invited you, to. invited you to. So yeah. you said that you went Sundays, you know, you will keep going. So yeah. at that point when you finally realized, you know, like the Lord opened your eyes and you repented and all of this, like, how do you see your life changing after that? Yeah. So this is a supernatural thing, right? So Christianity is, mm-hmm. it is a supernatural faith, um, no one can become a Christian just by saying it with their words, mm-hmm. uh, by claiming it or proclaiming it. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody can do that. Uh, I testify to this just because there must be a transformation. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you change a Marxist socialist worldview that I had? And in, in that summer, 2009, pursuing my master's in social justice and environment at UC Berkeley, so all of a sudden saying, I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> oh, that was a lie. <laughs> you know? It's like, no way. And so it was because I started reading the Bible. Yeah. And that's, I was exposed to God's word. And all of a sudden something changed. Mm-hmm. You know, Psalm 110 verse 3, David said, your people will volunteer freely on the day of your power. Mm-hmm. So I whole, wholeheartedly believe that that was the Lord opening um, my heart, just like with Lydia in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. to receive the word and believe it and see something that I did not see before. Yeah. After that happened, I decided to serve, to serve the church. I, uh, the Lord started to close doors at the city where I was working. So this mm-hmm. is Providence. And growing my heart and desire for the local church, I started serving the, uh, the Spanish ministry at my local church. Under uh, an evangelist, a pastor, loving man, Eric Martin, and he would take me under his wing to go and evangelize to low-income communities. Mm. So we would go to low-income communities on Wednesday nights and then then Friday nights. Mm. And then he said, Yadid, you know, I'll go with the adults, you go with the teenagers. So we would go to low-income community, like a, um, a trailer park, mm-hmm. and he would go on one side, I would go into, into another. And all of a sudden, I saw an adrenaline in my heart about Hey, I like this. Like, I want to go and knock. Now I'm almost and I'm like, hey, Maria, you know, it's like <laughs> we have a Bible study at seven o'clock. You know, please feel free to come and make a long story short. My the elders of that church um, said in 2012, after I had taken a trip to Guadalajara in that year, um, came back and they're like, uh, Eric Martin has to leave the Spanish ministry. We had like about 10 people there, 15 or so. Could you lead the Spanish ministry? And I'm like, of course. How could I not do that? Mm-hmm. So I started. Um, so I became the leader pastor of the Spanish ministry in uh, March 3rd, 2013, with no training 
uh, nothing but my Bible and John MacArthur's commentary in the book of Romans because I wanted to teach him in the book of Romans. <laughs> so I have my jeans, my sandals, I go to the front. <laughs> I have about 12 people. The Lord grew that from 12 to 22 to 32 to 42 to 52. So it started to grow, right? And then my elders say, hey, would you like to plant this church, take this Spanish ministry out and make it its own independent thing? So it was around, I'm like, I would love to, right? With I was naive. I didn't have any training, but they're like, they're coming to me and saying, would you like to do that? I mean, I would love to. Yeah. So this is, so in 2014, I'm watching Shepherd's Conference. And then my mother, I'm watching it online. My mother's like, hey, would you like to go next year, 2015? I'm like, I would love to. So um, she, uh, you know, uh, Shepherd's Conference is for, for, for leaders, for, for the men who want who are leading in the church, local yeah. churches. And it's here in LA at Grace Community Church. And so I went to GCC for the first time to Shepherd's Conference in 2015. This was the Inerrancy Summit. And then I realized that my elders were there as well. And so I met my elders there. We started talking. Yeah. And I had, again, my sandals, my jeans, and I saw people with suits and ties and, you know, and all of that, right? <laughs> I was very intimidated. I actually didn't want to talk to them just because they, uh, you know, it's just, for me, it was like, I want to run away from this, right? <laughs> but I'm like in awe of everything I was watching and seeing. Yeah. But I remember this seminary student in, in the, uh, at the TMS booth, because they have the, the master seminary mm -hmm. booth there during ShepCon. He's like, Adida, here's a ticket for you. Uh, there is an MDiv prospect dinner Thursday night, 7 o'clock. We want you to come. Adelanis, I felt so honored. And he was very kind. He was very loving. And that's what captivated me. Mm. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere on Thursday night, but the tower building third floor. Mm. So I told my local elders, my elders, I'm like, you know what? I won't be with you because I have to be upstairs. So <laughs> went upstairs, third uh, tower building, third floor. You know, you, you have all these men all of a sudden, you know, I see all these men, different ages. And then you see like a salad and you have like, pasta there and then you have like shrimp all the over here and then yeah all the goodies and you have like <laughs> meat here and you know cheesecake over there grapes <laughs> and strawberries all over the place and i'm like is this gonna be like seminary like it's, and i want to come i really this is so good next thing you know macarthur comes in dr macarthur com comes in and then steve lawson uh they both come in and then they, they close the door so they shut the doors and i'm like uh oh <laughs> and they're like the first thing that dr MacArthur says i really still remember it it's like he's like the mission field does not need a nurse but a doctor mm. so if uh you're called to the mission field you need to come to the master seminary and train those were his words mm. i still remember it. this is 2015 right mm -hmm. uh, it's like so if you're called to the mission field the mission field does not need a nurse but a doctor so if you're called to the mission field, you need to come and train at the Master Seminary. Mm -hmm. I That night, I went down after that session. So I spoke with my elders and said, you know what? We need to postpone our church plant. I need training. The Lord opened doors for us so I could come to the Master Seminary in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and I graduated in 2020, August, wow. uh, with a desire to plant. The Lord never removed that from my heart. And, um, and that's currently where, uh, where we are at the moment. I mm -hmm. graduated. I became a member of Grace Community Church. I work at the church. I am with uh, Grace Advance, um, which is a uh, church strengthening, mm -hmm. uh, revitalizing ministry of Grace Community Church. 
Um, I'm also with uh, GMI. Uh, at the moment, we, I am leading an STM, which is short, short-term missions, mm-hmm. to Guadalajara this summer. Mm-hmm. So we have a team of about 10 people going to one of our missionaries' churches to encourage them this okay. summer. So I'm leading that, putting a budget together, a team together. Uh, 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 we already have a, a letter of support made up. And also, we're going to have this week a meeting with um, Pastor um, Mark Totlock. He's from mm-hmm. TMAI. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to be discussing church planting and see mm-hmm. how how we can how we can work together. Um, mm-hmm. I really have the conviction that one day we won't be able to meet in, in a facility as big as GCC. Mm-hmm. I have that conviction. The day is coming. Mm-hmm. So we need to train men for church planting. How do you start a church from the bottom up? And so that is my, um, um, I'll be meeting with Dr. Todd on Tuesday that's coming up. And, um, but yeah, so, and currently right now leading a church plant in the city of Palm Desert. So on Wednesdays, um, we started that mid-January this year, oh, wow. about two months okay. ago. Um, so on Wednesdays, I'd leave on a Wednesday afternoon, drive two hours east. And mm-hmm. then after the Bible study, I come back, drive two mm-hmm. hours west. Um, and I'm doing that every, uh, yeah, every Wednesday, so. Yeah. Will you mind just sharing a little bit also, because you said you work at the church. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, so <laughs> I work for the um, a department called Grace Curriculum, um, which uh, is a department. Of, it's a ministry of Grace Community Church where we focus with uh, children's curricula, curricula that focuses on uh, narrative, biblical narrative. And there's another curriculum. So it's two curricula that we carry. Yeah. That we use called Generations of Grace that focuses on Bible narrative. So mm-hmm. the stories from the Bible, from the book of from Genesis, Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And then we have the other curriculum, which is Adventure Club, which is systematic theology for kids. Midweek program. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. a midweek evening program. Um, we used actually the MacArthur uh, Biblical Doctrines. The, one that one, yeah. So the biblical doctrine by Pastor John and I can't, I can't, I can't remember the other name of the other guy who does Mayhew, it. Mayhew, Richard uh, Mayhew. Yes, that 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 guy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I know that we used that um, right in order systematic to pre- theology to uh, you know to that just to develop for, adventure to develop, club to develop adventure club for kids. That is that is yeah. correct. So um, so John MacArthur and, and Dr. Richard Mayhew worked mm-hmm. on this uh, biblical doctrine. Um, which is systematic theology, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of that book, um, we developed. Now we, will, you know, people that were before me mm-hmm. developed um, what it's called Adventure Club, which is the midweek evening program for kids ages three mm-hmm. through uh, sixth grade, eleven mm-hmm. to um, twelve years old. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's it's not a wanna mm-hmm. um, Adventure Club is. Um, it's our own focuses. curriculum. It's our own curriculum. We developed oh, we, that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we used to uh, do Awana in yeah. our church, and we decided to create something yeah. that will focus more on the Bible. Well, they are also have gone, like, they are compromising a lot of, like, the teachings. And this is something that I hear from people who used to uh, this curriculum and why they stopped using it. And it's because they're being adapting their curriculum to the culture, basically to, you know, yeah. they have like, I guess, CRT stuff and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and other, and other stuff that they're bringing into it. Yeah. So kind of like a woke type. Yeah. Of, it's like uh, a woke. Yeah. Kind of like curriculum. Mm-hmm. If you mean, so that's why we yeah, decided to, yeah. So that's why we decided like, we don't want to compromise the Bible and especially for kids. Like, yeah. 
you know? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Alenis, when you look at what's going on right now and the attack that, that our children have and, you know, yeah. the culture, like you look at what Disney is promoting and advocating yeah. for. It's... I mean, you have CEOs and important people within Disney yeah. uh, promoting, you know, homosexuality, promoting um, uh, behaviors within children that would hurt them and destroy them forever. Yeah. Uh, spiritually and physically. Yeah. Uh, their minds, everything, you know, um, it, we're dealing with their innocence. Mm -hmm. So uh, whether it be Disney, uh, Nickelodeon at night, or whether it be, you know, yeah. it's just pretty much the culture, even our own government, right, mm -hmm. um, that are want to be able to destroy uh, the innocence of our children. Here we have a curriculum that is focused in the Bible mm -hmm. and the um, systematic theology where people would learn about God. Yeah. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, what's yeah. man. Yeah. How, what's salvation? What's the church and stuff like that? Yeah. And the episode before, well, I don't know which episode. No. Uh, when uh, we interviewed Tom, uh, Pastor Tom Patton, mm -hmm. we shared also about Grace Productions and we basically produce um, videos that goes with, uh, basically we have teaching tips, which is to help the teacher mm. using the curriculum. So, right. you know, like they give you like awesome illustrations and like things that you can be using alongside with the cur the curriculum to teach the Bible to kids. Then we have moment of truth, moment which, of is, truth right. which is for the kids to watch before they come to adventure club or generations of grace. Mm -hmm. So we have both, we have generations of grace, moment of truth and adventure club moment of truth as well. And then uh, we have like generations of grace music, which is like, you know, the churches can be using that music that we, you know, right. that we've produced and things like that. So, yeah, there are like a bunch of different resources for free on the Grace Media app also that yeah. they can watch all those videos that have been created basically for using the curriculum. That's and, right. And That's it's right. been very helpful for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our Grace website also has those, um, the, the curricula, mm -hmm. uh, gracecurriculum.org. Mm -hmm. And they can go there and they can, there's a tab there where they can click and they will, that tab will direct them into those videos as well. And I think they can go to gracecurriculum.org. Yeah. But I'll make sure to, I will include this. Yeah. Once. It's easier when you just have to click on uh, it. So just make sure right. to check, to check the description here and you will find it uh -huh. there. Yeah. All right. So now that you're graduated and everything, then your goal is to yeah. plant churches, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a goal. So, I mean, it's fascinating what the gospel does. Um, mm -hmm. Right. So if you believe that, um, you know, that the Lord Jesus Christ has gone to the cross, as Isaiah 53 talks about the yeah. Lord God smashing his own son for the sins of the sinner. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then uh, dying and then rising up from the grave on the third day. Mm -hmm. And now he's in glory and he will come back. If you believe that with all your heart, you turn from your sin and his power, not yours. That power, Arlenis, um, led me from one worldview to a biblical worldview, mm -hmm. to a worldview that would, would have led me into not only burning streets, but burning churches. Mm -hmm. into now the biblical world, the biblical worldview is my desire is now not to burn churches, but to plant them. This is something that the Lord does, um, culture, society, what do they need? Mm -hmm. um, they just need the truth. Yeah. And the Bible offers that truth to them mm -hmm. that changes your perspective on everything. Yeah. Now I am. So yes, as I mentioned previously, I'm working on this project in Palm Desert. Um, through the blessing of our elders to um, see a beautiful, biblical, healthy 
church in the city of Palm Desert. We're meeting right now at my doctor's house there on Wednesday mm-hmm. evenings. Mm-hmm. Dr. Meraz, um, he is, and his wife, Patty Meraz, they, um, they were one of the people that were supporting me as I was at the seminary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I owe much to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they uh, right now we're meeting on Wednesday evenings from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. And okay. we're, we just started focusing on the book of, the book of John. But the desire is to see a biblical church plant there in the city of Palm Desert. And then if it's the Lord's will, once that's built, um, go to the city of Guadalajara, plant a church there as well. And at the end of the day, be able to teach at a TMAI uh, school beyond church planting. Okay. So um, that's where um, Mark Totlock and my, my elders come in and mm-hmm. getting some wisdom. But the desire is to be able to do this beautiful church, church planting. And then if the Lord, um, if it's his will. Yeah. to from Palm Desert be able to go to Guadalajara and uh, start a church there and work and teach at a TMAI training center okay. on church planting. All right. And you also serve in foundation, right? Yeah, well, I serve in foundation Friday nights. Foundation I lead nights. Uh, the prayer group there. Um, this is before the our Bible study starts at 7 o'clock. So we have our Bible, um, our prayer time at 6 from 6 to 645, we pray for the church, for our elders, for the different ministries. We pray for our country, our missionaries. We pray mm-hmm. for the person we'll be teaching. We pray for those who are coming who are still not don't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. I do that. I'm also, I also lead a Bible study on Sunday evening. So tonight I lead a Bible study before. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We're, we're, okay. good. we're, good we're on the clock now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at five o'clock. Okay. Um, it so happens that today that we're going to have a... I don't want to say one of my students because they're not mine, but <laughs> one of one of the one of our students, I guess one of the seminary students who's part of my Bible study. Okay, uh, he's going to be leading that. So yeah, those are kind of like different things that I'm doing right now. Work leading that church plan on Wednesdays, uh, leading the prayer group on Friday nights, and then Sunday evenings leading a Bible study for a foundation. Awesome. Yeah, busy schedule. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our signature questions for the podcast. All right, so. <laughs> Um, any books that favorite books that you have or books that have been helpful for you? Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know why he's laughing. I don't know. <laughs> Is it because I said the signature questions? <laughs> you know, um, you know, just because, uh, well, I've, I've benefited a lot from, you see, there's, I guess the greatest book that I've found is just the Bible or Lenny's, okay. you know, I've read good books on theology that I can tell you about. Yeah, you can tell me. But <laughs> it's this one so, right here. So the, so the question is actually, well, clearly any person who comes here, we we expect yeah. that your favorite bi- book is the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, okay, so any favorite books other than the Bible? Other than the Bible. Okay, yes. so, um, so I'll say books on missions and okay. books on church planting. Mm-hmm. So uh, Eckhart Schnabel. He is like the the top guy for missions. Mm-hmm. And so if you read one of his books, uh, it's a 400-page book. It's named uh, Paul the Missionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, so, so why that? For me, is again, I want to learn as much as I can in missions and church planting. It's not like that I want to be the expert. I just want to learn from the experts. Yeah. And so after I um, – so he's, for me, has been one of my top authors. Mm-hmm. Um, he quoted a lot of things from his – two volume 
um, book. Each book was like a 1200 page book. And I purchased those two as well. So I'm almost done with them. Uh, also by Eckhart Schnabel. I believe it's Early Missions okay. by him. I've been learning a lot about privacy mm-hmm. and things that I did not care before. Now I care. Learning a lot about privacy and learning a lot about, about finances at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, as I look at, <laughs> uh, so as we look at the um, the value of the of the of the dollar losing its purchasing power um and as you look at um how governments have been freezing could freeze uh bank accounts all over the world we saw that in canada not long ago with trudeau Mm -hmm. and now you're seeing what um i mean i don't want to get political but these are just things that we're seeing this is our world this is where we live this is our time this is our generation right so um and then you see you know uh for different reasons um that again, you can go into details, but you have the United States and, and other Western countries freezing the money, you know, Russian money in dollars, right? And so you, I'm, I'm watching those things and I see how we were, uh, I think it was like, do you have different porn companies? Like I think it was a Visa and then MasterCard, Apple, removing their services from Russia, right? Mm. Um, and hurting the Russian people, mm-hmm. right? Of course, you have an invasion in the... Uh, uh, in Ukraine. in Ukraine and that border right there. And you, you see, it's like we're trying to do some, you know, we're trying to stop this thing. But at the same time, we're hurting the Russian people. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching all of this from afar. And I'm like, well, could that happen to the church? Mm. Well, can, can, can you look at that, the, the USD, the, 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 the dollar depreciating in value. Now you have to, you know, I used to buy a lot of things with a hundred bucks at Costco. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. You know, the, the same stuff that I used to buy, purchase for a hundred bucks. Now I need like 300, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You go to, you go to the, you know, um, you want to buy some gas, same thing, right? You have like yeah. inflation. So crazy. all of these things, right? Yeah. Led me to reading books on, ready? Bitcoin. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, it started with, it started with me saying, well, if, if money is being depreciated and devalued and the dollar's purchasing power is just declining so fast, then what is it that I can do in order to, in order to really keep the value and, and the worth of what I have? Yeah. And know this, our ladies, I don't have much, okay? I just graduated from seminary, right? I'm a church planter. Uh, I'm not a financial investor and nothing like that. I have a few bucks, but I... That's when I started studying a book called uh, The Bitcoin Standard. And it taught me a lot about money, mm-hmm. taught me a lot about history. It taught me a lot about Bitcoin, which is digital cash and is decentralized. Um, the more I research, the more I read, is the more I see how this Bitcoin can be so valuable uh, to the church in the future. So, for example, people in Venezuela that mm-hmm. you have the Maduro regime there. Um, that destroyed their own, I think it was Bolivar or something like that, uh, the, their, their, their money. They, the only way they were able to transact, move money here and there is, was through Bitcoin. Yeah. I learned that from people from Venezuela, yeah. right? And when you think about that and you think about how governments freezing the church's money or country's money, it's like the same thing will come to us. Yeah. 
you know, we trust in the Lord. Yeah. We do. He's in control of all things, all governments, all places. And we ought to be as, you know, uh, uh, you know humble and, 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 and kind um, as a dove. But you know what? You also have to be as shrewd as a serpent. Mm-hmm. And I want to be as shrewd as a serpent. Mm-hmm. As a leader of the church or, you know, I want to learn as much as I can mm-hmm. in order to protect the church. And so I even see this as I do my own research on Bitcoin and, and privacy now because I'm learning about this. Like, um, this will benefit the church. Yeah. And so that's another book, The Bitcoin Standard. And okay. so <laughs> that's yeah. another discussion. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, there, if people want to learn more about that. All right. So three things, three things that brings you joy. Uh, the word, the book of Psalms. Yeah, brings me joy. Uh, repentance brings me joy. The church brings me joy. Mm-hmm. So um, I read the book of Psalms and the Christian battles with sin i Mm -hmm. battle with sin every single time and i hate it sin is a uh, joy killer and i hate that i love repenting turning and that's a gift Mm -hmm. that i can hurt you with my words with my actions with my own attitude because i could have a sinful attitude not tell you that i hate you but i can actually demonstrate it with my actions you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i could do all of those things and not turn and not see it. But by the grace of God, uh, the Christian has this gift of repentance. And I can immediately turn and ask you for forgiveness. Arlene, forgive me. Um, and I mean it. Mm-hmm. And that brings me joy. Uh, it keeps me a joyful person. The other is, like I said, the book of Psalms. I mean, you look at the book of Psalms and you see the Psalter. Um, you see the Psalter where... Um, for example, uh, Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. Um, David says, "I would have despaired unless I had believed mm-hmm. that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living." Mm-hmm. I think about that, right? Like, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's mm-hmm. me, Arlenis. Like, I would despair if I don't see the goodness of God in this land. I long to see great things are learning for God, but that brings me hope and joy. Mm-hmm. And then the other is the church. I mean, being able to to be with my fellow brothers and sisters. Um, there's nothing like the church. I'll say this. Uh, in my BC days, before Christ days, I used to hate Sundays because I would do the wrong thing on Saturdays, Saturday nights. And then I would wake up like on Sundays, like around 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and you would either watch wrestling matches or you would either watch football or soccer. And I remember I, I hated Sundays because I knew I had no hope. Mm-hmm. So we go back to knowing, yeah, what I did Saturday was wrong. And it brought me some moment, momentary happiness. Yeah. But it was just too quick, too short, too short-lived. It was not enduring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I would hear near my house um, people going to church. I hated that. And uh, now uh, Sundays is Sundays is the, my favorite day of the week. Yeah. yeah, because it's the Lord's day, and you, I get to hear from God's word and serve God's people. Amen. All of this, everything that we do, we do it because of our Savior Christ. So why do we need Jesus Christ? Yeah. 
Why do we need Christ? Yeah. That's my last question. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what comes to mind is that Genesis chapter one talks about the Lord creating us in his image. Um, it is uh, because of Genesis chapter three that um, we have, we are fallen creatures. There was disobedience and we became not only uh, fallen, we became enemies of God. Mm -hmm. So the Lord created us for his glory. Um, the only way for us to bring him glory is um, by being reconciled with him and now living for him. Mm -hmm. uh, we need Jesus Christ because there is no way that a sinful person come to a holy God and be forgiven. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the holy one and the righteous one and the prince of life and the prince of peace. Mm -hmm. So if one is to have true peace, true lasting peace, true joy, they need the removal of condemnation. Um, for those who are in Christ, our enemies, there is now no, no condemnation. Jesus, by Jesus going to the cross to pay for the sins of the world, living a perfect life, dying, and then rising again from, uh, from the grave, uh, demonstrating to everyone that he is alive, that he has the power you know, over death, um, now gives people hope. People need Christ because people need a reconcil reconciliation with God. And God gave his only son so that people can be reconciled, not perish, but have everlasting life. We need him. He changes, he transforms, and that's the gospel. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you so much, Yadid, for joining us today, and thank you for sharing your testimony of salvation and just everything that the Lord has done in your life. I mean, it's it's. I'm always amazed, you know, just to hear the life that brothers and sisters in Christ had before Christ BC, right? BC. Yeah, BC. <laughs> our, our BC days. Yeah, BC days. We're not good days. <laughs> yeah, those were very dark days, too, comparing to what our life mm -hmm. is like now in Christ. Our desires have changed. Everything has changed in our life. That's right. And that's how we can see someone being truly saved, you know, by the changes, transformation that we see in their lives. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. And friends, thank you also for joining us today. Uh, remember, if you want to follow us, just make sure that you follow us on social media. Make sure that you go on the links here on the description. And I will be including the links that I meant that we've mentioned uh, yeah. throughout the testimony. Just make sure that you check the description and you will find all the links here. So, Will you mind just closing us in prayer? I could do that. I don't mind. Father, you are good. Thank you for sending your son. And thank you that you make all the difference in the world. God, we're thankful that ordinary people can have ex extraordinary lives because of you. You are the extraordinary. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.